Amen. Good evening, FNT. Uh, what a joy it is to be able to stand uh, before you tonight, and I'm very humbled to stand before you. I don't take lightly the opportunity to stand here before you. I'm very humbled uh, by this pulpit and the man Lee Ship. Um, I know we don't, you know, be careful when we edify man, but I do believe in edifying the Christ in a man. And I just want to tell you one story that will encourage you. I know you love your pastor, you love our pastor, but I was in the gym one day and there was a guy that uh, doesn't even go to church here. <laughs> and, uh, and we were talking and I know that Pastor Lee doesn't say this, but, but it sure encouraged. I know he doesn't like for us to do this, but we were talking and, um, and I, talk, I was talking about FNT, and he goes, oh, Lee Ship." I said, yeah, yeah, you know him? He goes, yeah, now, he doesn't come to church here. He said, man, that man makes you want to love Jesus. And I sat there to myself and said, what an incredible compliment that if I wish somebody would, when they heard my name, that that would be the response and so can we just honor Pastor Lee tonight and, and, the, and the work of Christ in his life? And of course, all the pastors, uh, Felix, Andrew, Joe, Evan, everybody's just such a blessing. Amen. And I honor each of you. Let me tell you about you now. Let me brag on you. Great friend of mine. I said this once before. Um, I told him about FNT and he said, oh, that's that one another church. I said, excuse me? He goes, yeah, the one another church. I said, what you talking about? He goes, you know, in the first New Testament, I mean, in the New Testament, it says love one another, forgive one another, bear one another, pray for one another. And it hit me. I said, that is the one another church. No doubt about it. So I just, uh, you know, just applaud you and, and, and just praise the Christ in each of you uh, for what you've allowed you to do in this body. And um, I'm just thankful tonight. And if you have your Bibles, turn to... John chapter 13, John chapter 13, a very familiar passage of scripture, but I want to look at it um, in not saying it's going to be a different light, but I want to bring emphasis maybe to an aspect of it that maybe is not always looked at all the time. But John chapter 13, we're going to read. Uh, starting in verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, I'm reading from the New King James Version, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, verse 4, rose from the supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Verse 7, Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. 
Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. And I want to pause right there. I just want us to think about that. What's going on here? That's a pretty big statement. If you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. In John chapter 6, Jesus had to had a crowd of people with him, and he said one day, unless you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you have no life in you. That's a pretty serious statement he made in John chapter 6. Well, here he's telling his disciples, people that were with him, people that were part of his ministry, people that he knew, except for Judas, as this text tells, they were with him. They were his disciples. And he tells Peter, he said, unless you let me wash your feet, you can have no part of me, with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And I want to pray tonight and I want to preach a message titled clean but dirty feet clean but dirty feet let's pray dear father in heaven we just pause for a moment god you are our father in heaven god and you're the one that looked upon this world saw the helplessness in the world saw the helplessness in me And Lord, you did something about it. You became man. You died for the world. You died for me. And God, so hallowed be your name tonight. God, we are people poor and needy. King David cried out, bow down thy earl, Lord, and hear me, for I'm poor and needy. God, we are all poor and needy people. God, we have many things that are troubling us, many things that we are carrying. God, but before we even immensely start to talk about that with you tonight we just want to honor you god we want to hallowed be thy name god we just love you so much lord the true gift is jesus the true joy is jesus the true peace is jesus and god as we look into your word tonight i pray that it would wash everything here tonight that it would encourage everything here tonight and give encourage 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 because that's what you do you lift people up You lift people up, and I thank you for doing all that you do, for you are the only one. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, Many years ago, um, I was in a church service, and some of you can relate to maybe there's a time in your life where there's a few church services that you'll never forget. And there was one that I will never forget, and there was a message preached on Elijah and Elisha. And the altar call that night was to come forward and stake a great claim. Elisha in the Bible staked a great claim. He said, give me a double portion of your anointing, Elijah. And Elijah said, you have staked a great claim. And that night, everybody was called forward and it was stake a great claim for Jesus. Come forward and stake a great claim for Jesus. And I went forward, but guys, I don't know how to explain it. I was just in, I don't know if I was just in... um, Ritual mode, repetition mode, but I was at the altar completely 
empty. It was like I had nothing in me, and it, it bothered me so much that I got up from the service, and I went in the parking lot and sat in my car, and I said, this is troubling me. I love God. God, I want to be able to stake a great claim for you, and it's troubling that I have nothing in me. And I said, I'm not leaving this parking lot tonight till you give me something. And after sitting there, the parking lot completely empty, and I felt the Holy Ghost said, you want a claim. Here's your claim to be like me. And I thought to myself, there can be no greater claim in Christianity than to want to be like Jesus. My ultimate goal is not to preach well. My ultimate goal is not to do this well, not that well. My ultimate goal is to be conformed in the image of Jesus Christ. For the great goal of a Christian is to be like Jesus. There's no greater goal than to be. And that's what the Holy Spirit is interested in doing. So many times God has to work through a man. But God really desires by the Holy Ghost to work in a man. And so I thought about that night and I said, what a, what a quest to be on. What a goal to be striving for. Talking with a friend of mine who's a minister, I was just saying, you know, being a Christian is a big deal. It's a big responsibility. It's a big deal. Not being a minister. Yes, it is a big deal to be a minister. It is a big responsibility to be a minister. But it's a big deal just being a Christian. It's a big responsibility being a Christian. Because the Bible says to us that you are the salt of the earth. It does not say Lee Ship, Billy Graham, etc., etc. Yes, all those individuals are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. But the Bible says that you are the salt. And where the salt has lost its savor, it is good for nothing but to be thrown on the ground and trampled by the foot of men. You are the light of the world. You. Each and every one of you. You might say, well, I've never preached. We're not talking about preachers. We're talking about Christians. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. When you fly over Dallas, Texas, or Las Vegas, or New Jersey, or Chicago, you can't hide Las Vegas at nighttime. The Bible is saying that's you. You can't hide you. What kind of man would light a candle and put it under a bushel, but not yet put it on a candle stand so that the whole house can see the light? So let your light shine amongst men that they shall see your good works, and it will glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Being a Christian is a very big deal. And as a Christian, we should be anxious to know ourselves. And no other man truly wants to know himself. The natural man thinks he knows himself and thereby it reveals his basic trouble. For he evades self-examination because to know oneself ultimately is the most painful piece of knowledge man can acquire. Oh, but thank God for it. Because only the man who has truly seen himself for what he is, is likely to fly to Christ and to be filled with his spirit, who alone can burn out the flesh and self and everything that tends to mar his Christian life and living. And as you're examining yourself, listen to me, every time you take one good look at you, 
balance it out with taking good 10 good looks at Jesus. Because it'll leave you in a pretty messed up place. But I'm so glad that we have a Savior that's so full of mercy and so full of grace. You know, before you even woke up this morning to do right or wrong, before you woke up to pray, before you woke up to read your Bible, before you woke up to do whatever, the Bible says that he had already issued out new mercy for that day. Oh, what a wonderful Savior. Amen. Now, here's something about our old life. The cross of Christ wrecks our old life. It really messes us up, guys. (laughs) The old life. I mean, it messes you up. And yes, we have to know that Jesus Christ died for us, but equally we must know that you and I died with him. Amen? Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Romans 6.3, the Bible talks a lot. It says you need to know something. Don't you know knowing this? Don't you know that those that were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. This Christian life is all about the new man. The old man couldn't get enough of sin. The old man couldn't get enough of this world. But I want to tell you something about this new man that has been given to us all by faith. And by the spirit that lives in us, it craves, he craves Jesus Christ. And anything outside of that, it's like taking a a volleyball into a swimming pool and, and pushing it under the water. When you let go of it, its natural tendency is to jump up out of that water. That new man can't stay down. That new man wants to come. It wants to thrive. It wants to know. It wants to feast. The Bible says that we don't live by just bread alone but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. That's our life. Our life is in Jesus. That new man craves Jesus. That new man wants to thrive. But we still have that old man. But I got to tell you today, that old man is dead and buried. And when you bury something and you put dirt on it, the idea is not to go dig it up. He's dead and he's buried. And our life now is in this new man. This life is all about the new man. And so as our passage tonight in John chapter 13, a very familiar passage, and I want to talk a little bit tonight about doctrine and duty, and I want to just real quick mention about duty. I know that this chapter in the Bible, this portion of Scripture, gives us an example of Jesus giving servant leadership. And I believe in that, and I believe that it's right, it's true, and it is the way we are supposed to respond To Jesus' example of being a servant leader. But I do want us to take a moment to look at this passage and focus on the doctrine that's involved in this passage. And so we don't want to put personal devotion with practical duties against one another. The only time that would ever be a danger for duty is that if doctrine would not be understood. But, you know, Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where Christ has made us free, and do not become entangled again in the yoke of bondage. That's the doctrine. That's what Jesus has done for you, that you're free. You're free. We're always triumphing in Christ Jesus. 
the, the duty of Galatians 5 is verse 13. It says, dear brother, you're called to the freedom. How are we called to freedom? Verse 1 tells us we were made free by what Jesus Christ did for us at the cross. We were made free and set free. But because of that, because we understand verse 1, verse 13 says, dear brother, you're called to freedom. But don't use that freedom as an occasion of the flesh, but with love serve one another. Because we understand verse 1, guys, we can become a duty church. But we have to make sure that verse 1 is understood before we get wrapped up in the duty. So tonight I want to focus on the duty, excuse me, the doctrine of this verse. Verse 4 the Bible says that Jesus rose from the sup, from the table and laid aside his garments. And I started thinking about the times Jesus rose just a couple times. When they brought the woman caught in adultery. It says the law says that this woman should be stoned. But what do you say? The Bible says that he stooped down and began to write in the dirt with his finger. And he rose up. And he said, he who has no sin cast the first stone. He rose up. This passage of scripture saying he rose up to wash the disciples' feet. But there was also a time that he went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. Three times going before the Lord asking if there's another way that this cup could be taken from me. God, please do so. The agony that he prayed he was such, uh, you know, Jesus was the only 200% man to ever live. He was 100% man, and he was 100% God. Everything he did on this earth was as a man. He never uh, laid aside the possession of his deity, but he did not use the expression of his deity as his life on this earth. It was all led and filled by the Holy Ghost. But after he came to his place, and there was no other way. What was in the cup? What was in this cup that Jesus asked, would you take it from me if it's possible? It was the sins of the entirety of the whole world. But he rose up. He saw his betrayal coming. And he purposed in his mind, for he knew that it was time that he would go to the cross. And ultimately, Jesus rose after saying it is finished on the cross and he was buried, and three days later, he rose up. And he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. Amen? But he rose up. He rose up, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Guys, imagine you sitting there. Imagine watching our Lord, looking at him, you looking at him, him looking at you. What kind of savior do you see tonight? You know, this man, Peter, we're talking about. He failed God miserably. He denied Christ three times. And in that courtyard, when Jesus was being brought to trial, the Bible talks about Peter and Jesus's eyes met. And the Bible says that Peter wept. But let me tell you something. Peter saw something in those eyes. He saw something in those eyes. That made him go to God. Judas, with the devil deceiving him, 
obviously missed that eye. He missed that look. Because Judas brought the money back to the to the people. And he said, look, you know, probably was saying, look, I've messed up here. I didn't really think, I didn't want all this to get like this. This has got out of hand. And I want to give the money back. And those people told him that, hey, that don't mean nothing to us. We got what we wanted. But it led him to go hang himself. I want you to know the Savior that was washing these disciples' feet, there's something about looking at his eyes, seeing his beauty, seeing who he is. And he began, verse 6, Peter seeing this, and rightfully so, guys, he said, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. I mean, think about that. Think about if you and I were there. What would you do? What would you do? And I don't think it was something that Peter was doing um, to be in stuff. He was just, I don't think it was out of self-will or stubbornness, but rather maybe an embarrassment that Jesus would perform such a lowly task to take upon the role of a, a servant and wash their feet. But guys, listen, flesh cannot understand spiritual realities. It'll either be too backwards Saying something like Peter said, oh, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet whenever the Lord says that he's going to do something. Or it's too forward where Peter eventually will get in to say, well, Lord, if that's the case, wash my head and my hands. Flesh does not understand spiritual realities. Verse 8. Peter said, even took it to another level, you'll never wash my feet. And the bulk of my message tonight is coming from verse 8. Because Jesus answered him. I brought it out a while ago. He said, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. What does that mean? What does that mean? I mean, does it mean that, that we're not saved? We, we, we're not redeemed? I mean, what does that mean? You have no part with me. Now, I do believe this. I believe that just as the cross of Christ was predetermined before the foundation of the world, that for those that would be saved, Romans 8, 29, he predestined those to be conformed into his image. So just as the cross was predetermined, you and I that have identified that, yes, Jesus died for me and I died with him. That it was predetermined that you and I would be conformed into the image of his son. And freedom comes with responsibility. And that responsibility is two things. We need to know something and we need to believe something. And that's why doctrine is so important in church. And when your doctrine is right and your duty follows that, it's a glorious thing. You see, guys, it's not a bad thing to be physically tired. Physically tired means you've done something. It's healthy to work. But, guys, let us be sensitive when we get spiritually tired. Because there is a difference. There's a difference between physical tired and spiritual tired. But Jesus is speaking of constant cleansing needed regarding our everyday walk. With Christ. For washing feet in part, this is what it represented. Church coming to Christ is one thing, continuing with with Christ 
is altogether something else. Very important in this passage is that we look at verse 9 and 10. After Peter heard Jesus say this, here's Peter again saying, Lord, if that's the case, not only my hands, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. Jesus basically would say to Peter, I don't need to wash your head because your head represents your salvation. And everything that you need to be saved, I'm going to do for you. Your hands represent what you do. And everything that you need to do to have relationship with me, I'm going to do. But Peter, I must wash your feet. Because I don't know about you, but this walk, even saved, even born again, even baptized with the Holy Ghost, this walk can get dry. This walk can get dirty. This walk can get tiresome. And we need that ever constant flow of the Holy Spirit washing and cleansing us. Now, it's very important, verse 10, because I grew up, uh, the more I live, uh, have, have any of you come to a point in your life as you got older that you realized that, that you just have been a very religious person in your past? I mean, the more and more I live, I realize I don't know what I was doing 10 years ago. I mean, Lord, forgive me for everything I did. <laughs> so aren't you so glad that you can confess to him and he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you? Amen. But let me, let me assure you tonight, verse 10, Jesus said, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. See, I grew up as a young man, loved God. It's only natural when you love God that you want to please God. It's a natural thing. When you get born again, you get saved, you want to do something for God. It's just a natural thing. That new man wants to bring glory to God. It's the Holy Ghost doing the work. But, but I grew up whenever I, I, I messed up or I, I, I did, didn't do this and didn't do that, I, I felt like I was a lesser of a Christian. And I had to go work, 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 work and do a bunch of good things. And then I felt good because if man is left up to performance boulevard, as you're going down the interstate and there's an exit that will show performance, it's just something in the flesh that we'll, we've got to be careful. We'll take that exit and get on performance boulevard. But Christianity is not about our performance. It's about the performance of one, Jesus Christ. And because of his performance, we get in union with the Holy Spirit. And he works in us the will and to do. We are his workmanship, created unto good works. He was basically telling Peter, Peter, you're clean. If a baby, if you bathed your baby and he walked outside and stepped in a water puddle, you don't have to go bathe him again. But you do have to wash his feet. If you're saved tonight, you're clean. Justification by faith, Romans 5, 1. And I think sometimes we, we, we don't really, as we jump to sanctification, us being a set apart to God, I think there's some times that we need to go back and make sure we understand justification 
Because it's amazing what God did to me and you at the born again experience. Justified, it's a legal term. At the cross, in the mind of God, when you evidence faith in Jesus Christ, you were determined not guilty. But not only not guilty, you were, you were looked at as legally innocent. See, you can go to court and be said not guilty, but that don't mean you're legally innocent. In the mind of God, when you evidence faith in what Jesus Christ did for you at the cross, not only were you determined not guilty, you were determined legally innocent. It even gets better than that. If that's all it was, it's good news. But there's even better news. You were looked at as if you're perfect. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Your position. Romans 6 tells us. Pastor Lee has told us at the church, you must identify. It's not good enough to just say that, yeah, yeah, Jesus died for me. Equally, I died with him. Because in the mind of God... Jesus, God took you and placed you into Jesus. And when Jesus died, you died. And when Jesus was buried, you were buried. And when Jesus rose up, you rose up to walk with him in newness of life. And your position, you can't get more perfect than in Christ. And if you have evidence faith in the, in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you're in Christ. And you can't get in a better place than in Christ. Your position is perfect. Now, we do have something called our condition, which is not perfect. But I want you to know something. The Holy Ghost comes to live in you and live in me. And the goal of the Holy Spirit, I don't know if it's necessarily to make Keith a great preacher. That's really not, uh, I don't really know if that's the, the goal of his mainly But I know for sure I can say without a shout of a doubt that the goal of the Holy Ghost is to bring my condition, which is not perfect, closer to my position, which is is perfect. And not only are you looked at as perfect, you're looked at as if you've never done the wrong. Justification by faith, all because of just placing your faith in what Jesus Christ did. See, at the cross... You were delivered from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and one day, church, you and I will be delivered from the presence of sin. But it has happened right now. That's a truth. Freedom. I'm not just wasting clock now. You have to know this as a Christian. Freedom comes with a responsibility to know something and believe it. You see, Satan thought he had God. He knew God loved man, and he knew God hated sin. And he said, I got an idea. What if I take what God hates and put it in what God loves? What's he going to do then? Never in Satan's mind did he imagine what God would do. God said, I'm going to become a man, the innocent one. And on the cross, Jesus Christ was our substitute. He took our place. But he also represented you. He represented you when he was on that cross. Justification by faith. 
Guys, being saved is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Can somebody say amen? Now, there's some things that we have to know. Pastor Lee has talked about this. Guys, you got to reckon yourself to be dead to sin. You're dead to sin and you're alive to God. That's what the Bible says. Reckon yourself. That when Jesus Christ said it is finished, he said what he meant and he meant what he said. The sin debt was paid. And he tells us in the scripture in Corinthians that such were some of you. It, it brought out some information about all the wild things you and I were. Some might say, well, I wasn't wild. Well, we were all in sin. Amen. But he said, you were washed. You were sanctified and you were justified by the spirit of God. It's 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 done. You and I, it was done. All of that happened at the cross by my faith being evidenced in what he did. Justification. By faith. Now, what about this sanctification? What, what are we what are we focusing on tonight? Jesus said. If you don't let me wash your feet, you can have no part of me. Guys, when I read that, God, what are you saying? These are your disciples. You know, guys, I I just, the attitude that I'm saved, and I know we're talking to a Wednesday night crowd tonight, but of this world's condition, I'm saved. Yeah, I believe Jesus died for me, and I go to church on Christmas and Easter and et cetera, et cetera. Guys, there's so much to this Christian life. And I just want to encourage us tonight. Let him wash your feet. He tells us, you must let me. And oh, this church has brought such a joy in my two years of being here. How the pastors here have said, you haven't fooled God with your dirtiness. You haven't fooled God. You haven't caught him, you know, on a situation where he says, I can't believe this happened. No, he tells you to come. Let him wash your feet. I've got a couple scenarios, singers and musicians, you can come up. Where would you find yourself tonight? Think about Esau and Jacob. We know the Bible tells us that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But it kind of should have been he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Esau was the firstborn. But Esau was a person that did not value the things of God. Esau let 10 minutes of pleasure rob him of such great, such great, great riches. Guys, be careful tonight. Don't throw away this great salvation for 10 minutes of fun. Don't throw away this great peace of God. Yes, the grace of God is there. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. 
But as you're letting him wash your feet, be sensitive, be aware. Are you a Samson tonight? I look at Samson as a wild man. Gifted immensely. You see Samson doing all kind of stuff. And in Judges 15, 18, and 19, he says, He became very thirsty, so he cried out to the Lord and said, You've given me great deliverance by the hand of your servant. And now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? So God split the hollow place that is in Lehi, and water came out, and he drank, and his spirit returned, and he revived. I look at Samson as a man that God truly wanted to work in. But a lot of the times, all he could do was work through him. And I know the, the, the highlight of that scripture is that the Bible says that he said, Lord, remember me one more time. And the Bible says that his hair began to grow back, showing the goodness of God. But I'm so encouraged tonight that Hebrews took the time to mention Samson's name in the hall of faith. God looked at him as a man of faith. But guys, can we, get, can we make sure that we're walking softly with God, that we don't end up with our eyes poked out? chained walking around like an animal because we didn't pay attention we didn't walk softly Samson would get up from being in the bed with Delilah and the scripture that shakes me is he said he got up just like all the other times but he did not know that the spirit of God left him. You might be in here tonight and you're the woman at the well. You're lost. Your life is a mess. This woman was married five times and she was living with a man that wasn't her husband. Thirteen times in John chapter four, they mentioned water, thirst, drink. And Jesus told that woman that you drink of me and you'll never thirst again. Has your life been so hard? Sin has just made a wore you out that you need to drink of this water. You need to be washed. Perhaps there may be someone that is a John 7, the Feast of the Tabernacle, a bunch of religious stuff going on. I want you to imagine people there was water involved there and because it signified the water that came out of the rock and how Jesus provided for the people. Jesus looked at all these religious people. And he stood and he cried out and he said, if any man thirst. He looked at a crowd and he said, I see some dry people. If any man thirst, let him drink and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Or maybe you're just the disciple of Jesus, like John chapter 13. You love God with everything you got. You know you're saved. You know you're bathed. But this walk has got a little dirty. 
It's got a little dry. There might be some sin that, that has just robbed you of your joy. See, here's the thing, guys. Sin does not kick you out of heaven. But what sin does, it robs you of your joy. King David, you can't get more messed up than what David did. But he cried in Psalms 51. He said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He didn't say restore unto me my salvation. What does sin do? It robs you of your joy. I don't know what it might be tonight. But I do know this. It is the Holy Ghost. It is his will to conform us to the image of his son Jesus. And I have a perfect position in Jesus Christ tonight. But I do know that my condition is not perfect. And the Holy Ghost wants to bring those closer and closer together. And it's a lifelong process. Would you stand to your feet? Let's just spend a little time. Wherever you find yourself tonight, you're coming to the Father who knows the Father who cares, the Father who rose. He rose up many ways and he did it all for you and he did it all for me. Clean but dirty feet. Saved but in need. And knowing what the answer is. It's letting Jesus wash you. He said, if you don't let me wash you, you can have no part of me. Let Jesus do what only he can do.